You are now listening to the Living Numbers Podcast. This is the Living Numbers Podcast, and I am your host, Tony Ramos. And as you all can see, I'm on the Zoom, and I have a very special person on, and you all know how we do. You know how we introduce our first-time guests. We got to do it right. So this person who I will tell y'all who it is in just a second. He hasn't heard this intro. He doesn't know what's going to be on there. So you are all going to see a genuine first-time reaction if you're watching this on YouTube. By the way, definitely like, share, subscribe, download. Y'all know what time it is. Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Breaker. I'm, I'm everywhere. Just search it up. The Living Numbers Podcast. Without further ado, I have the Flat Top King, at least when he was young. Mr. Triple Play Baseball, the meanest uncle I used to know, but he's now Mr. Elliptical and Vice President of Sales and Client Partnerships at Warner Media, big time. And the real Tony of the family, my Uncle Tony, say hello to the people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, buddy, I have to say, after that intro, I don't know if I should shake your hand or hit you in the eye. <laughs> so, but all jokes aside, I'm glad to be here. So proud of you, my man. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was the meanest uncle. I guess a lot of my other nieces and nephews say uh -huh. that now. I don't know if I'm mellow. You know, I have a 13 and 14 year old. So, right. you know, I haven't changed. Right. So they probably think I'm a mean dad. <laughs> uh, but it's all good. It's all good. You know, as long as uh, we all get to where we want to go. Correct. Right. Right. And so, like, we can we can stay there actually for a little bit, because I remember when we moved to Connecticut and we were living in uh, New Britain in that huge house and it was all family there. It was so cool just to have so many of us up under one roof and actually living together. Not like, Oh, you know, see y'all later, you know, I got to go home. You no, know, it was like, you know, Hey, let's, let's go downstairs and play some more video games or Hey, what y'all want to eat. It was just like a never ending. I'm not gonna say party, but just to have all your family together so close like I thought that was really cool like how did that come about because you know I'm a kid at that time in elementary school I believe you know I just know I'm I'm going to, to live with my dad's side of the family like I don't know how those things happen because I'm not an adult I'm not privy to those conversations so like how did that happen yeah excellent question and you know it's, it's so interesting because you know you're right you guys were I mean you were in diapers so you wouldn't know how it all transpired. But to answer your question, you know, it was your Auntie D. Auntie D, we lived in Michigan at the time, and Auntie mm -hmm. D had moved to Connecticut. And, you know, she was chatting with me saying, hey, you know, are you open to a change? It's really nice out here, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, uh, Stephanie, who I was married to at the time, your Auntie mm -hmm. Stephanie, we, we, we chatted. And, you know, I, yeah, we were definitely looking to, for a change, right? And, you know, we're living in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time. 
And then so we moved out. And then when we moved out, we uh, we moved into an apartment in East Hartford, Connecticut mm-hmm. for about six months. And then we got a big house in Newington, uh, Connecticut, in the house that you're referring to. Oh, actually, the one you're referring to is in New Britain. Yeah. And uh, that's when you yeah, it was a big house. Right. And then that's where your uh, your father uh, uh, came and stayed and all you guys. So, yeah, we it was a it was a family thing. And, and listen, the reason why, you know, obviously we it was all it was just us. Right. We came yeah. to out here on the East Coast. We didn't know anybody. So, you know, at the end of the day, we were, you know, it was like Lewis and Clark. Right. Going through the wilderness <laughs> and you know, trying to check out this new area and trying to make it right. And you, everybody had, you guys were young and Samada mm-hmm. and Randy and Antoine. <sighs> yeah. So it was, it was, it was Good a family times. affair. And, and listen, it was, listen, I'm not going to say it was tough, right? Because, you know, you, you, everybody's got kids and, you know, obviously we all have our own different habits and stuff mm-hmm. of that nature. You know, I'm, I was in the military, so I wanted some type of order. Oh, um, oh yeah so 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 that was the dynamic right and and uh but you know at the end of the day we all made it work right i could see now being an adult and kind of running my house a certain way and then having friends and even family kind of seeing how they run their house i could see that being a little bit at the very least a little bit of a struggle at the very most like complete meltdowns fights I could definitely see that happening if you're kind of in it with the wrong people, for sure. Even with family, you know? Yeah, so even with the right people, right? That's going to happen, right? Because in the day, you know, you're grown adults. Everybody is trying to make a way. We all got kids. People, you know, um, know, want to bring their kids up a certain way. Um, We all have different type of habits and stuff of that nature. We're all working, kids going to school. You know, for the most part, you know, we were very, you know, uh, uh, cleanliness was a big thing, you know, for the family. So everybody wanted to make sure the house stayed clean and stuff right. of that nature. But yeah, I mean, listen, it's just life, right? We're all going to come home from work and then we're going to have to be on the wrong side of the bed and, and the kids are going to be kids. So you guys are going to do what you do. Yeah, right? that's all we knew. You can't, just, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know. can't just you're not statues where we just going to sit you there and somebody <laughs> comes in and they're like, what is that? Well, that's just a new statue we got. Right. <laughs> so you guys going to, you guys going to do your thing. Right. So yeah, there was definitely a lot of fights and there was, you know, but there was a lot of love though too. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it was, you know, it was a village. We all, you know, uncle Troy and myself and, you know, Uncle Walt, Auntie D, Auntie Stephanie. We Kendall, all, Antoine, know, Kendra, Kendall, Antoine, oh, Simone. So we all did what we did, right? And and listen, I that's not a something that I would uh, recommend for anybody, <laughs> right? At the end of the day, you want to have your own spot <laughs> with your own family and do your thing. But again, we came from the Midwest. We came from Michigan. We didn't know anybody. We didn't have anybody out here. So for us, it was better to stay together mm-hmm. and, and learn this new, you know, again, this new area and this new adventure that we're on. And then I, you know, eventually we all split up and we broke off. Right. Right. But, but yeah, that's what, that was the time. That's how it all started to answer your question. Uh, Man, good, good times. I look back on those times so fondly. Um, But so from there, we're going to introduce our first number. And for me, 
that number is 11 because that's how many schools I went to. So some in uh, Connecticut, some in Detroit, some here in Houston where I live now. Um, but moving was just such a, it was a normal thing for us. So just, it was nothing to be living in Oak Park and then living back in Detroit and then living in Connecticut. And then once we got to Houston, coming back from here and then going to Detroit back to stay with my mom, because with divorced parents, you're always Mm -hmm. in the middle back and Mm -hmm. forth. And one thing that really suffered for me was sports. Mm-hmm. So I got a little story. So I was, I started uh, playing, playing football. Now, now I look back, I'm like, why did my dad get us into baseball? And I asked him, uh, my dad, who was uncle Tony's brother, who I would definitely have on as well. He said, man, y'all didn't want to play baseball. I'm like, man, I could have been so good at baseball looking back now, but I'm sure because he was really good at baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Troy was excellent at baseball. Yeah. Your father had a tryout with the uh, Chicago Cubs. He went down to spring training. Yep, in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I, we played football. We all loved football, me and my brother Troy, who uh, made the intro music and the outro music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we played football together our ninth grade year. So that was some uh, that was just so cool to play with one of your siblings, because a lot mm-hmm. of times siblings are further apart. And me and Troy are only 13 months, I think mm-hmm. something like that, because his birthday's in April and mm-hmm. I'm a year later, but I'm in May. And so in that summer after ninth grade, some things transpired with my mom. I'll just say it that way. Mm-hmm. With mom and dad and I came down to to Houston. So I started playing football at Dolby High School now. Mm-hmm. I'm five eight at that time. I'm probably five seven, 130 pounds. I'm a small guy, but I could play. I work hard. I like to think that I had a good attitude, but I'm pretty sure looking back that there was probably a few questionable times in there. But I feel like on the football field, like I worked hard and I did what I was supposed to do. So ninth grade year, I played both ways in Oak Park. End up moving here, going to Dolby High School. I played in 10th grade, but I missed the first six games because of UIL. So I can't play. I'm working my butt off in practice. They finally go, you know what? Screw it. We're not going to get the paperwork. We're just going to let you play. I scored three touchdowns in our final four games. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm making some headway, right? The next year, my dad's like, okay, we're moving. So you, you can't play football right now, but when we move, you can be able to join the team. You'll be able to play right away. I'm like, okay, cool. We did not end up moving until January. So I missed the mm. whole season. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> Heartbreaker. Listen, so, you know, listen, at the end of the day, the way, you know, and let's back up a little bit, you know, where yeah. did we get this, um, this traveling syndrome, right? Yeah. And it it was with your grandmother, who was my mother, right? You know, when I was a kid, we moved around a lot as well, right? We, Mm. I I mean, very rarely stayed in a house for a couple of years, right? And so that was just what we knew, right? Right. And and to be fair, when that happened, that wasn't good for us because we didn't have rooms. And then we did that and had kids and then that wasn't good for you guys. And at the end of the day, you know, both set of parents wasn't thinking. They was just thinking about, hey, we got to do what we got to do. 
Yeah. And we wasn't thinking that at the end of the day, this is uproot, uprooting the kids is affecting them. It's not giving them stability. It's not allowing them to have roots. It's not allowing them to, you know, set up into a structure. It's not allowing them to have friends, you know, all that type stuff, stuff right. that, you know, we know today. Right. So that, that was our fault. I mean, and, and just, to, and again, parent typically, you know, when you become a parent, you become most people, maybe you're different, right? But most people, you know, they don't read a book. Either they do it one or two ways. Either mm-hmm. they bring their kids up the way their parents brought them up, uh-huh. or they rebel against it, right? Right. So at the end of the day, we didn't know, we just did it, right? right. And when you look back, now, you know, listen, at the end of the day, I'm very proud of you, all you guys, right? Because you guys, all went to college. You guys all did stuff. You all, you mean a lot of times when that situation happens, the kids suffer and they don't become effective. They don't grow. Right. You guys did. Right. And which is a blessing. Right. But to be fair, that wasn't that. And I hate to use both words in in a different sentence, but to be fair, that wasn't fair to you guys. Right. You didn't get to play football. Right. And then not only did you get to play football, but the friends you probably didn't get to meet or whatever the case may be. And then the, the uprooting and the turmoil and the constant change. Yeah. So, so I would recommend that, listen, at the end of the day, people got to do what they got to do. Right. Right. However, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's very important mm-hmm. um, to, 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 to have roots in an area and stay, especially if you have kids. Now, listen, you single, you can be a, a bag of a vagabond all you want. <laughs> no man. <laughs> right? You can do whatever you want to be calm full and walk the earth and see what you run into. That's fine. Right. When you have kids, it's important to set an identity and then more importantly, have some type of structure and roots. So you kind of touched on that. And like the end of that story, like we moved finally. I come in, I have my off season. I mean, at that point, I may be 5'8, 135. I mean, but there was this one coach. He's like, that guy there, he's the toughest guy here, pound for pound. I mean, he would pump me up so much. But I was in there putting in work, though. I was I was squatting like 365 at 135. Listen, I remember yeah, I when you and I went to the gym, when you and I went to the gym when I came down to Houston, yeah. Houston you you were bench, bench pressing, I think, 225, 250, or something of that nature. And then uh, we went to the gym and I saw, no, you were, you did. You did at least one time, right? I think, I, I think we hit the 225. You know, a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you listen. One thing I will say, although we did move around a lot, mm-hmm. and that's why I was the mean uncle, right? Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, we wanted to make sure you guys had discipline, right? We wanted to make so even though we moved around, it wasn't a party house, right? Like, nah, never stay up all night long, never. and you know, and say, "Dad, what's going on?" And you pass me a coke. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it didn't operate like that, right? At the end of the day, you guys had you had rules, structure, chores, yes. and you wasn't sure. afraid. You knew what hard work was, right? So at the end of the day, uh-huh. that right there was also embedded embedded in you. One hundred percent. There's no question, no question, right? So 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 to be fair, even though we moved around a lot and it was a big house, we had everybody there. There was still a dynamic of the family, making sure that the kids grew up the right way from a discipline standpoint, structure Mm -hmm. and hard work. 100%. And so it's kind of like a two-sided coin there because on the other side of it now, if, if things happen where I need to go, like, I know how to do that. I'm not uncomfortable with that. If when we moved to China, me and Kia moved to China for a year, 
it didn't make me uncomfortable to be in this new setting because I was just new. I would, I was used to being the new kid all the time, you know, I'm moving from that place and trying to figure out, okay, where are things, um, what places to go, what places not to go. That wasn't new to me. And even as I became an adult and it was every year we moved me and Kia, because, you know, especially with renting, rent always goes up. And so you're trying to find the best place to live and maybe you start making next. It's a little bit more money. You, okay. Maybe we could find some, pl- it was nothing to just move the next year. And so we moved every year for like the first, I don't know, like five years of our marriage. But again, though, so one thing that or came another. From, so that was the same thing that you repeated that we did, right? From you, you got that from your, your parents, and then we got that from our parents, right? So that's the cycle. Again, yeah. how do you, how yeah, do you my wife, she's follow she the same thing? And she wasn't used to that, right? And this is the thing, though. So, yes, you guys turn lemon into a lemonade. Yes. Right? You're able to overcome it, right? You're able to totally get it, right? You're used to being the new kid on the block, blah, 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 blah. And that's great, but there's a ton of kids. That, would, they wouldn't, that wouldn't have been great for them because <laughs> their personalities wouldn't have been able to deal with that, right? Yeah, yeah. And they didn't want to be the new kid on the block, right? And they still, so, so yes, we got away with it, but to be fair, it's not the, uh, uh, something that I would it recommend to everybody. It, it, it can't be right, because not right. everybody's going to adjust to it the way you guys did. And so you actually adjusted yourself and became a, you know, became successful. But I want to hear a good story, a good childhood story from Uncle Tony, because we never have really had that really opportunity to talk a whole lot. We have Mm -hmm. uh, when you came down and visited. And I would say, especially opening up with my intro as you being the meanest uncle, that it was like a totally different person when I met you more as an adult Mm. and I was like, Oh, like uncle Tony is so cool. Like where has this guy been? But I understand now more about the structure and needed Mm -hmm. to kind of instill those values of hard work Mm -hmm. and discipline. And because now I'm able to pass those things down to my son, who is three months and just the joy of my life right now. So listen, buddy. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I was the oldest, right? And, and just like you and your brother are a year and 13 days apart. And again, these are certain themes that go through our family. So, so you know, me, your brother, your Auntie D, and your Auntie Carlos, we were all born in April. Yep. And, you know, April 3rd, 8th, 10th, and 16th, right? So me and your father is only a year and eight days apart. Yeah. Wow. Him, him and uh, uh, D was only a year and 13 days apart, right? D and I are not even two years apart because, you know, your grandmother had his boom, boom, boom. And mm-hmm. then Carlos came, you know, I'm five years older than Carlos, right? So if you look at that, so you look at that dynamic. And then even Michaela and Madison, your cousins, they're a year and six days apart, yep. right? Me and so, Asia so are only two years. Two and years are one year. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So that's the dynamic. But you know, being the oldest, right? I was the oldest and just a year older than Troy, two years older than D. And at the end of the day, I was like really shy, right? Your your father and, and your auntie D, they were the outgoing going ones. They would be dancing, blah, 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 this and that. I would just melt into the wall, 
right? <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember when I was a kid, that me and your Auntie D was very close, very close. So I remember I liked this girl. Mm-hmm. And um, I, told, I told your Auntie D, I was like, listen, uh, here, I wrote this note saying, if you like me, check the box. <laughs> And oh, I gave no. it to your Auntie D, and I was like, get it to her for me, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, your Auntie D gave her to her, and I was all scared, blah, blah, blah. And then I, so I did that a couple of times. And I remember one time I did it, I think I was like 11, 12, I think when I did it the last time. And the girl was like, if you like me, you don't need to have your sister tell me, you just tell me, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just plugged my ears up. I didn't want to, ah. You know, the stupid stuff you do when you like somebody and you're so young, right? Yeah. So that's one thing. And then me and your brother used to play sports all the time. I and mean, we just grew up playing. Not me and your brother, me and your father used to play sports all the time. We grew up playing sports. Mm-hmm. And then this was the thing. So me being the oldest, you know, I always would say I was better than your, your brother. I mean, your uh, father, right? But to be fair, your, your father was better than me when it came to, to, to playing baseball. Mm. He was. He was a better hitter. You know, I was really good on defense. I used to play, you know, shortstop and outfield on strong arm. I'd throw you out. But your father could pitch. He played first base. He, 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 he was a great hitter. So he, but I never told him that until I think when he went to try out, when he got to try out with the Cubs, right? Mm. Um, what else when I was a kid? Probably meant a lot a to him, too. Oh, well, listen, at the end of the day, you know, me and your, your uh, father was very competitive, right? So, you know, we were all Aries. We all wanted, and that was the dynamic in the household. We're all Aries. We all wanted to make our own mark. You know anything about the sign of Aries? We're all leaders. We're all impatient. You know, <laughs> go home on yard, oh, right? Man. So, you know, it's just a fight waiting to happen, right? <laughs> but at the end of the day, we were very competitive. Right. right. Even me and D and Carlos the whole nine yards. So when we played stuff, the first person that we would try to be better than would, would be each other. Right. So that was a major dynamic because, you know, you know, I want to show that I'm better than him. He's trying to show that he's better than me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we start getting with our friends. Right. And yeah. then we're trying to keep that dynamic. And then not only that, we're trying to be better than our friends. Right? right. But at the end of the day, if we're not as better, if we're not better than our friends, at least I can say I'm better than my brother <laughs> or he can say the same thing. I'm better than my older brother, blah, 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 blah. Right. But y'all were but, some of the best players, though, right? Yeah. So we were. We were because at the end of the day, we, we played all the time. We had a passion for sports. And, you know, it's totally different today. When we grew up, oh. you could get 18 kids to play baseball. Right. You just go up and down the neighborhood and it would be no. You could get 22 kids to play football. Right. Today, that's just not the case. Right. Not at all. So so when we were kids, everybody in our neighborhood played sports. Everybody. I mean, everybody. So it was just and, and at the end of the day, if you want to play and you want to get picked on a team, mm-hmm. you had to be good. Yep. <laughs> you had to be no, good. And none of that. Everybody plays stuff. None of that everybody plays though. If you didn't get picked, you didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Back to the wow. neighborhood, you got to go figure it out and get better because exactly. That was it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it was, it was um, it was good. But I can tell you this one funny story to answer your question. So oh, okay. we went to we went to Poughkeepsie, New York for the summer. Mm-hmm. And we were in uh, I think the city was Hyde Park, which is right outside of Poughkeepsie, New York. We were 12, 13 years old, right? 
So we were on these bikes, right? And it was this big hill. So we rode up this big hill. Uh, 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 uh. So the fun part was riding down the hill, right? And going as fast as you can, right? Right. So then we got all the way up this hill. And then we saw these girls. We're like, there's the girls. Let's get them. So we're riding, flying on the bike, right? And, you know, you're coming down the hill. The bike's going so fast. So all of a sudden, my bike that I'm on hit a brick. Oh, no. So then all of a sudden, this was like, it was like slow motion. All of a sudden, I went over the bike, right? And then I hit the ground, boom. And it was like a cartoon. When I hit the ground, then I looked up, and then the bike came crashing down. Oh. On my neck. <laughs> no. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that listen, sounds terrible. We, we, we didn't have any health insurance. So of course not. At the end of the day, you know, there <laughs> wasn't no health insurance. So they just, you get patched up. Don't get hurt. And you go you go back out and play, right? So I, I, I still got, I, I, oh, man, I was all messed up. I still got scar here. I think it's this elbow. When I hit was bleeding the whole nine yards, but hey, I wiped it off and we kept playing. Oh my goodness, that sounds like the worst nowadays. Oh man, they be calling the ambulance and everything else. Listen, are you kidding me? Ambulance, they be giving me that <laughs> right. Okay, you know, uh, we didn't grow up with health insurance either. Talk about passing yeah. stuff down, it was just don't get hurt. <laughs> don't, don't get, I don't, so I, I, I tell you this, your father, he, he, um. We were in elementary, so I think he was 10. And, you know, the staircases that go up, you come into, and then you go to the second floor. So I guess somebody dared him or whatever the case may be. Uh So he jumped off the staircase and he broke his leg, right? So they rushed him to the hospital. They put a cast on his leg, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. So he was supposed to come back after, I think they said the cast needs to stay on the eight weeks, 12 weeks, what case may be, right? And then he's supposed to come back and and then they'll take their check the leg. Everything's good. They take the cast off, right? But again, we didn't have no health insurance, right? (laughs) So (laughs) we never went back. The cast just ended up falling off. The same thing happened to me. The cast (laughs) fell off after a while, and then he'd still be able to move the leg, and he he was good. Oh, man. And and that was it. And that was it. Quickly, I fractured my wrist. And if you can see, it's like a a bump right here. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Went, got a cast on all the way up to here. We never went back. We just soaked the cast in water, took it off with some pliers. That was it. That, listen, at least you guys took it off with pliers. Your, your father ran out of the cast. <laughs> the cast just fell off. It, it became decayed. It just fell off. It became That's sawdust. Terrible. <laughs> All right. Oh, and then he, man. and then that was it. Never went back. I mean, sir, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my daughters go to the, go to the doctor for everything, right? Yeah, check up, blah, 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 this and that. We didn't go to no doctor. Dennis, you kidding me? I never went to the dentist until I got dentist, grown and got my own. I went head. one time when playing high school baseball, I got hit in the mouth. Um, and then my two front teeth got bent to the root of my mouth. Oh. And then I had to go and then they straightened them out and put braces on. And I, and then I, I take that back. I had to go back for them to take the braces off. That was it. But that was the only time I went to, went to the dentist. Wow. Okay. Let's shift gears here. Our next number is three. So 
this segue here is kind of into the work world, right? So we just we talked about being kids and growing up and all of the ridiculous things that we had to go through one way or another. And so eventually you have to join the workforce, right? You have to get a job. And so as I was thinking, I was like, okay, what are some of the best bosses that I've had? Um, I'll share one and then I'll let you share one. Okay, cool. So the first boss that I had that was really, really good, that I really felt like this person allowed me to grow and kind of pushed me, uh, her name was Julia. Uh, I worked at iMasters. It's now VisionWorks selling eyeglasses. And at the time I was working at Forever 21, and I had worked there for about two and a half years. I was a a head cashier, actually. I felt like I had put in the work to have an opportunity to become assistant manager. We was running through managers like crazy. We ran through like maybe four or five assistant managers. I'm like, yo, we we can't do any worse. At least give me a shot. So they just never did. I even applied online. And then the general, not the general manager, but the district manager asked our store manager, like, hey, doesn't this person work for us? <laughs> so nothing came of it. So I'm like, okay, big. So when you're doing a good job, and I'm sure you noticed this, you probably have done it and has have had it done to you when other people come into wherever you work and they see you do a good job, they pretty much try to poach you and steal you away. So these two managers that used to work at iMasters, they would come in and shop there all the time. And so they asked me like, like, are you happy here? Is this what you want to do? Like, what's up? So at the time I'm working at Lady Foot Locker and I'm working at Forever 21. And I'm like, well, they want me to make, they won't make me a manager here. So that's kind of, that's what I'm looking for. That's the next step for me. And so they were like, okay, come down there, come talk to us. And these two people, uh, these were the two managers under the GM. So I'm talking to the right people. So I come down there and I meet Julia, this tall, skinny white lady. And when I tell you, she was like, okay, I see like, you know, you got the good personality. You got the smile. We're going to bring you in and you got to kind of get the feel of how we do things around here. But we, if you do well, which I believe you will, we'll give you an opportunity. So I believe I was there maybe six months, maybe not even that. And the time came and she gave me an opportunity and she allowed me to manage and lock up and be over the store. And uh, I even was able to do some kind of conflict resolution between other employees because she just kind of allowed me that space to be able to grow. And I'll always be thankful for that because she was the first one. I'll never forget her. Uh, So who's a a boss that you've had a manager at a place where they just kind of allowed you that opportunity? Yeah. So number one, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing my friend. And, and listen, you said it, right. It's about, you know, having somebody to allow to empower you and, Mm. you know, uh, and by doing, and, and listen, it's up to you. Right. However, you know, by you doing the things you need to do, opportunities should come your way and you should not, you know, be, you should not miss those, right? right. You should take advantage of those, but right. at least should be an opportunity for you to, to take it to the next level. So for me, I, you know, listen, I've, I've been fortunate. I've had a lot of really good bosses, mm-hmm. right? And they, you know, for the, pretty much for the most part, they always gave me that, you know, autonomy to be able to do my thing and grow. However, to your question, I, I will say there was one gentleman, his name was Alan Dunstan. 
And this is when I was, uh, uh, I was working in the city, New York city. Mm-hmm. I had, this was my first job in the city. And, um, we, I worked at a company called newspapers first. It mm-hmm. was a national advertising rep firm. So in other words, we would, uh, work with national brands around the country. And if they wanted to do so brands like Citibank or Home Depot or Mercedes, or what's this be? and if they wanted to do newspaper advertising in, a, in several markets across the country, instead of calling up the Detroit News and Free Press, the Atlanta Journal, Constitution, LA Times, New York Times, mm-hmm. they would call us because we represented 40 major market uh, uh, newspaper companies across the country, right? So we can put them in the top 20 DMAs, what case may be, right? So one-stop shop and they can get everything they want. Mm-hmm. So, so Alan was like, uh, he reminded me, have you ever seen the movie uh, Trading Places? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. So, so Alan, my nickname for him was Winthorpe. Okay? <laughs> so he was Winthorpe, right? Okay. And he belonged to this country club in Jersey, blah, 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 blah. He was a nice guy, but he definitely was a blue blood. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then here am I, and he hired me, don't get me wrong. He, he hired me and he was, he was a good dude, right? So here, uh, you know, here I am from Detroit, Michigan, blah, 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 the whole nine yards, right? So there was a, definitely a dynamic. Right. So one of the things with Alan is that, you know, he would push me and mm. I would get mad, but I would never say anything because at the end of the day, your grandmother always taught me to, you know, give a hundred percent no matter what. Right. So Alan would say, I would, he would give me a task. And then I would come back and do the task. And he said, well, I don't know if that's 100% right. And I'm like, no, it is right. And he's like, <laughs> uh, I don't really know if I, if I would, you know. Take, like, what you mean you, know, you don't know? Look, I know. Right. And, and so, I, you know, I, I just, I, I would just say, okay, okay. And I would go back and do it. And then when I went back and did it, did it when I went back and did it again, guess what? He was right. It wasn't a hundred. I, I had the wrong, whatever it was. Right. So, so he would push me and I would be mad, but because I wanted to prove him wrong, I would go back and do exactly what he said. And right. he was right. <laughs> over and over and over again. Right. So, and everybody else didn't like him either. Right. So, <laughs> so one day I was in my office and he came and he said, Tony, can you come into Keith's office, who was our, our ad director, our VP? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. So I came in and he said, Tony, uh, reason I'm having you in here is because Sherry Gale, who was our manager, uh, she's retiring and we want to make you the manager. Whoa. And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, we want to make you the manager. And they had a package for me, all that type stuff. And I, it was, and I said, I was like, number one, I was, I was thankful, right? Because it's, it's definitely something that I wanted to do, right? Mm-hmm. This was a big opportunity. It was like a, a $40, $50 million office, right? That I was going to be able to oversee. Mm-hmm. And he just said, he said, look, Tony, you, uh, he said, you've been a leader since you've been here. Wow. You don't need the title because people already follow you. They already yeah. listen to you, blah, 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 blah. And what I learned out of that situation is that I would have never got that opportunity had Alan not pushed me 
right? Because he pushed me. And because I was hard-headed, and mm -hmm. instead of fighting back, I just went on and did exactly what he asked me to do. And by, by doing what he asked me to do, it helped me grow. It helped me come to a whole nother level in terms right. of how I do business, how I find out information, how I communicate, the whole nine yards. Because yes, the information and all the stuff I gave him, it was mm -hmm. satisfactory, but mm -hmm. it wasn't at the level that he was expecting, at least from me, right? right. And, 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 you know, we, we're, we're best friends today, right? Wow. And he's the one that got me into management, and I've been in management ever since that time frame. Okay. I got two more. One, um, my boss, Charity, when I worked at Chase Bank, this was one that kind of pushed me as well, but it was really more, I guess the first two bosses pushed me in the same kind of way, but they pushed me to be uh, a leader and working in banking. A lot of it is about sales. So it was kind of like I had to put up or shut up. And so I'm not a person that, that brags, but I have a certain, you know, I'm confident in who I am. We'll just say it that way. I don't have to like talk about it, but if you're that way, then you got to bring the goods. Exactly. So with Charity, she really would like call me her son and she would uh, show me pictures of her daughter and stuff. She knew that I had a wife though. Like it wasn't that kind of party, but she really looked at me like family. So that's one of those things that I, that I learned from her is like, you don't have to be one of those bosses that's like trying to make people afraid of you. No, you know, that kind of totally thing. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, but she, at the same time, like she had expectations. And as long as I was doing what I was supposed to and, um, you know, making those headways with the leads and stuff that she gave me. And I had to do stuff that I didn't necessarily want to do, like the call in and all. I'm like, ah, you know, just get him in here. You get him in here. I could talk to him. We'd be a okay. But, you know, that's not always the job. You got to do stuff that you don't want to do. But she just really gave me kind of like that leeway to kind of put my stamp on the branch. And, you know, mm. she would call me in and she would ask me what I thought of stuff or ask me to handle certain clients. So she really trusted me there as a leader. Like you said, it wasn't even about a title because mm. at that at that place, it was more after your branch manager. I mean, they did away with assistant managers. Uh, you kind of had like the, the cashier, not cashier, but the teller side. And then you had the banker side. It really wasn't mm -hmm. any in between. Either you was a banker, you was the manager. Like that was really it. So mm -hmm. she kind of made me a leader, even though there was no title to be had. And, you know, you just kind of take that on if you're up to it, um, which I was. I'm like, yeah, you know, let me help. Because I felt like I was good at what I did. So I'm like, yeah, let me help the next the next uh, banker. Will we have somebody new? Even on the teller side, I started there. I can help whomever. So kind of like what you just touched on, like be a leader, whether you have the title or not. And like that will definitely follow you because other people will notice. They'll see it. And like you said, the opportunity will knock. Most so of the there's time. no question. So there's a lot of people who have titles and they're not leaders. Oh, man. OK. And so there's no you know, you you can be the you know, the the lowest person on the totem pole in your industry, in your office and be a leader. 
right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I 100% agree. Do not get caught up in titles because at the end of the day, titles mean nothing, right? And unfortunately, what happens is, is people take the title and they think they have arrived, but at right. the end of the day, nobody's following them, okay? And more importantly, more people are trying to knock them down than to help That's them, true. right? Because at the end of the day, a leader, like I tell my team, my job is to help you get to where you want to go. Because yes. when you get to where you want to go, I get to where I want to go, yep. right? So as a leader, it's all about your people. No yep. more. It's not about you. And it's no different than being what? A father, right? A family, yeah. right? There you go. It's about once you have kids, it's about them. It's not about you. You yeah. can't just run off and go do whatever you want to do yep. when, you have a, when you have a kid, right? So it's the same thing from a, 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 from a leadership standpoint. Okay, last one. Uh, he's one of my current bosses, and I won't say his name, obviously, for that reason. Uh, but I was like, man, you know what? You always give me space because now it's in education, which is my newest, I guess, uh, area that I'm working in. Right. It, it wasn't it's not banking. It's not retail. I've done all those things before. So once I got into education, I got my first full time job. Now they hired me for a reason. Right. I feel like I am a natural teacher as my God's gift to me is I can teach it. If I know it, I, I, can teach I agree it. with that. I would definitely guarantee. So they saw something in me. But and you know this, once you come into a position like that, where there's a lot of responsibility, there's a learning curve. I mean, with any job, there's a learning curve. But some is a lot of stuff that you don't know until you get in it and you start working in it. So, you know learning uh, the the curriculum and then being able to teach it, how you work with other teachers and then classroom management. So there's a bunch of stuff in there, uh, but they hired me and this guy, I mean, it always felt so casual, but it always pushed me how his approach was. I mean, it was perfect for me. So any bosses out there who ever listened to this, it was it felt so casual, but I always left those meetings feeling like, okay, I got to do this. Or he just empowered me. Like, you know, it's your classroom. You can do whatever you want. What kind of ideas do you have? Like, okay, this is one. I, I want to do this, this, and this. Okay, well, have you thought about this? No, I haven't thought about that. Okay, go think about that. And then come back and tell me what you got. He was always asking the right questions Mm. because like you said and like nana taught us and let's take one second nana i mean words cannot describe this amazing woman my grandmother and your mom i mean the adversity that she had to go through and just putting us all where we are now today you know god rest her soul and on didi I always describe her to everybody as the best of us. Andidi was, I mean, the biggest heart, I mean, would give the shirt off of her back mm-hmm. to, we're not even talking about family, to the kid down the street who needs it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. always describe her as the best of us. Shout out to Andidi. Shout out to Nana. God rest their souls. And we'd be different people if it weren't for them. Hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. So this this manager always always pushed me. I don't even know how I got on there, but I felt the. <laughs> no, no. How did no, I get no, to Andidi no. and Nana? How did no, I get no, no. there? You said you were saying that he empowered you. He made you think. 
He would ask questions. Ask the right questions. So he would ask the right questions, right? And, just and that's me. really what it is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then I, I think the other thing, when you talk about, you know, Nana, my mother, your grandmother, you, and you, you may know this, you may not, but she only had a sixth grade education. Wow. Okay. However, she was well-read. Okay. So in other words, you would go into her room, she would have a million books in there that she read, even though she had a sixth grade education, didn't mean that she wasn't educated. Right. Okay. She was very smart and she continued to grow. And, and that was the thing that I always watched my mother. And that's what made me read very early because I would see her always reading something. Yeah. She would be listening to classical music and I started listening to classical music. Right. So, so she was very cultural. Um, and, and, and like you said, my, my sister was just, you know, and, but she got that from, she got that from my mother in terms yeah. of just a giver. Right. Yeah. And, and to be fair, my friend, all that is rubbed off on you as well. Right. Oh, thank you. I mean, listen, I'm so proud of you. You know, and, and again, you started this conversation in terms of you know, use your number 11, right? There we go. Times you moved and all that type stuff, which <laughs> is not, which is not easy. Okay. It's not. And to see you the way I see you now and how you have grown and you've just become a, a, just an awesome man and a leader and you had a beautiful wife and you build in a beautiful family and you, you know, Tony Rambles. You yeah. know, stepping out there and, and, and making stuff happen and having these conversations with people, you know, listen, that that's because of you, my friend. And listen, you don't have to beat your chest and say, I'm the baddest dude, whatever case may be, right? But you can have a swagger. But more importantly, re really, why I'm really, really happy for you. And it's something that I still uh, 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 work, still struggle with, right? And, and the key is, is the word fear. Right. Mm. And if you spell that word out, if you spell it, it's F-E-A-R. Right. But most people don't understand that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Ah. Right? So 80, 90 percent of things that we worry or think that's going to happen. It doesn't. It's, it's in our head. Right. And to see you jump out and don't. You know, it reminds me of uh, you ever watch. Uh, um, uh, Empire Strike Back, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Star Wars. And and you remember, you remember uh uh was it was it yeah, yeah. So you remember where uh Darth Vader and Luke get into a fight, right? Yep. And yep. then Darth Vader backs Luke up and Luke falls into this little hole, right? And then he was like, Oh, this is real easy. The next thing you know, Luke comes flying out. Whew. And then yeah, and then Darth yep. Vader says, he says, impressive. Impressive <laughs> indeed. You have conquered your fear, right? And I always love that, right? Because that's really what it's about in life, right? Yes. Is that we 100%. have strength and power and talent, but at the end of the day, we don't utilize it because that false evidence appearing real stopping yeah. us. So this is the one thing though I can say, you know, social media has only been around since 2006. Fear has been stopping man since <laughs> the beginning of time. <laughs> okay? Touche, so, touche. I, Okay, so so the bottom the bottom line is that is our kryptonite, and and this is the thing. If you didn't, if you wasn't, think about it this way: if you could do anything, mm -hmm. and you knew you wasn't gonna fail at it, right? Would you? What would you be doing? You see my point here? Yeah. So so at the end of the day, we put limits on ourselves, and what I'm saying, right. we, I'm talking about myself as well, right? And these are the things that 
I continue to work on, right? Is yeah. the self-imposing limit that is only right here, right? And you're a proof of it as I'm sitting here chatting with you, my friend, right? So what I'm going to tell you is keep doing what you're doing. Keep stretching and nothing grows in a comfort zone. Okay. The only yeah. way to grow is to be uncomfortable, right. right? Because when you're uncomfortable, that means you're learning and you're not just, you're not skating. Okay. Speaking of uncomfortable. I know I threw this one to you when we had our little pre-production meeting, right? And there's this uh, documentary out right now uh, called uh, Lula Rich. And it's a pretty much about this uh, pyramid scheme where they had people selling leggings. And so they settled this case for $4.75 million. And there was also this other scheme that I looked up and I was like, oh, man, you may have heard of heard about it. AT&T lost $201 million because uh, this guy basically uh, blackmailed people to uh, unlock phones. Mm. So he had a way to do it. And then he would say, well, you know, get these people over to me and I'll unlock their phone. So he had something that he was holding over these people. So have you ever been to one of those meetings, you know, where somebody you go, oh, man, look. You, what, what you got going on? They go, oh, man, you know, I got this new thing that I'm doing, man. It's awesome. You go, okay, what is it? They go, oh, man, come over, man. Seven o'clock, you know, I got some people coming over. I have some pizza. And you're like, okay, cool. And then you walk in and they're selling something like knives or coffee or Kirby vacuums is my dad's favorite one. <laughs> so, okay, I've been to a couple of those and you walk in and they got the little table set up. Maybe it's a Amway or something. And you're like, oh, they got me. <laughs> no listen, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'm, so I'm going to sit here and answer your question. Absolutely. Uh, I, I have, and I'll tell you this too. Um, I was involved for a couple years. Okay. okay. In the Amway business. Okay. Yeah, there you go. However, and, and, and I'll, I'll share the story with you. So, yeah, I got involved and you know, wanted to get rich and all nine yards, right? Mm-hmm. And again, remember I was telling you about my guy, Alan, right? Yep. I always have this thing in my head that if I want to go somewhere, if I want to get somewhere, if somebody tells me to do it, I just do it, right? Mm-hmm. So in the Amway business, buddy, I, I did whatever they told me. So they said, hey, read these books. How to win friends, influence people, the power of positive thinking, blah, blah, blah. Think and go rich by Napoleon Hill. I would read them all, right? Listen uh-huh. to these motivational tapes, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. I would listen to them. Come to this seminar. I would, I, me and your auntie Stephanie, we would spend all our money. We would take the money from, uh, you know, the rent and, and would do whatever. And we would go. And you know what? I mean, I'm with you. I didn't make a nickel. Uh, however, okay. However, turn it around for us. However, I remember being in my office. I was so depressed. I didn't want to go home because the bill collectors was calling and they couldn't, they stopped calling at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> All right. So I remember being in my office and I was just going through some business cards and I saw this card of a guy that was in my group and he had quit. 
So I just called him up and say, hey, Bob, this is Tony. Tony, Tony Franklin? I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, my God, Tony, me and my wife were just talking about you. Can you? I was like, Bob, I haven't talked to you in six months. No, 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 no. Can you do lunch? Can you do lunch? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. I said, yep. So I went and had lunch with Bob. Bob said, hey, Tony, you know I own this construction company, and I've been doing very well. And, you know, right now we're just working in the New York area, but I have a vision and I like to expand. I believe our service, we can be able to use, there's a, a bunch of other utility companies all across the country that would be interested in our service. And mm -hmm. I want you to be my salesperson. Whoa. And I was like, but Bob, I know nothing about your business. He said, Tony, you don't have to. Yep. He said, I've watched you blah, 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 blah. So hear me here. Here's the point here. So I said, okay. And he said, well, listen, I only can pay you this amount of money, right? Which was a lot less uh, than I was making at the time. And he said, and I'll pay expenses. And then I said, well, what does your salesperson make? And he told me, and there was no way I could make that money if I stayed uh, working for the company that I worked. So this was the thing, my friend. So I, he said, talk it over with your wife. I did. And I, I took that leap. Mm. The point I'm trying to make is, is this. And it's an old saying, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not, not be prepared. prepared. Yep. So to be fair, those two years <laughs> that I was over here reading yep. every book, right. listening to every motivational tape, yep. driving, blah, 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 I made nothing over here. But I didn't know that that was prepping me yep. for the this. And as wow. soon as this opportunity came, within six Ready months, to go. I was making more money than I ever made in my life. Wow. Right? Killing because it. I had put in the work over here. So sometimes you have to, and this is where it works, right? And this, is, this wasn't luck. This wasn't right. coincidence, right? At the end of the day, the reason I was able to take advantage of this opportunity is because I was working on myself over here and growing as an individual. Mm -hmm. right not knowing thinking that by doing that over here that it was going to pay out over here it didn't but it prepared <laughs> me for this over here and it took off wow i mean there's no substitute for putting the work in well mm -hmm. listen the thing is is at the end of the day everybody wants stuff right everybody wants to be this or yep. let's turn it back on you right you know you want to be a manager right so Definitely makes sense. But for you to be that manager, so they just gave you the job and say, Anthony, you're the manager, right? But if you don't really know how to communicate, if you don't know how to work with people, if you don't know how to deal with setbacks or have tough conversations, right. you're not going to do well in that job. Not at all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so they gave it to you, but you're really not ready for it. So yeah. what you did, what, what did you say? Hey, I really tried to learn everything I could. Hey, I did this. I was leading before they even gave me the title. Mm -hmm. Blah blah. So you had to grow as an individual because once you grow, now you're ready for the opportunity. Yes. Does that yes. make sense? I mean, I feel like what better place to end it but there? I mean, that's if no one learned anything from this. The Living Numbers Podcast with your host, Tony Rambles, and my Uncle Tony, the real Tony of the family. Um, um, just put the work in, have a good attitude, you know, and, and those opportunities will open up for you. And sometimes, not sometimes, you have to 
you can't let fear hold you back when those opportunities do come. Because I could have just not done this. You know, I could have not accepted the job as a, a, you know, as a teacher or, or whatever the case may be. There's always, if you want to find a reason, you could always find a reason to turn stuff down. If you want to find an excuse, they're always there. But you heard it from your host, Tony Rambles, and my uncle, Tony. Just go for it. Put the work in and go for it when your time comes. Any, any lasting words you want to say to the people before we get out of here? No, buddy, you wrapped it up very, very, very eloquently. Um, and listen, I just want to say thank you for being able to chat with you. Uh, you know, is, when you were two years old, I never thought we were sitting <laughs> here uh, chatting like this, but I'm so proud of you, my friend. I love you a lot. Keep stretching, keep doing it. You're just touching the surface of your greatness, my man. So keep it up. Thank you, Uncle Tony. I love you too. Before we get out of here, I got to tell y'all to like, subscribe, share, download. (laughs) Anybody who you think would like this podcast and what I do here, then of course you want to share it with them. Uh, You can also find me on Instagram at underscore Tony Rambles underscore. And you can also email the show at one Tony Rambles at gmail.com. I think I covered all my bases there. YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Buddy, I mean, listen, you're all over the place, right? <laughs> I mean, carry it. Uh, I think you didn't say, hey, send a raven or carry a pigeon, anything like that. <laughs> but excluding that, you got everything else all squared away. All right, y'all. This is Tony Rambles, your host. And I will see you all in the next Peace. Take care, man. All right, Uncle Tony, that's it, man. We got it. You good? That was fun. That was fun, my man.